You're listening to Flipping Tables. Welcome to Flipping Tables. This is episode 51. 51. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Edwards. And I am David Lyons. And we've got a pretty big rundown today. We do. So we have to, we, you introduced me to the web timer stats. Yeah. So we got to start there because that's our, that's our own follow up. Yeah. If you missed last episode, there's a Chrome plugin called web timer that uh, will just locally track your web habits and give you a nice little pie chart breakdown of where you spend your time. And it only tracks current frontmost tab that has focus. Yes. And that's going to skew our results. <laughs> maybe. Uh, for me, it definitely did because I, I became super aware of that. Like I would, I, somebody would be coming into my office and I would have a browser window open and I would consciously shift to like Outlook or something else, you know, the desktop, whatever, while they talk to me. And then when they left, then I would go back to the browser. Yeah. So I was like, well, it, it wouldn't be accurate if it said I spent that additional 180 seconds on, I don't know, probably Twitter, since Twitter is sadly my number one. What was your number one? Um, Google Docs. Google Docs. So you were doing work, at least. I was apparently well, screwing off. I think it's extra skewed because for a job reason, I spent about two hours in Google Sheets the other night just ah. recording some ratings down. Okay. <laughs> that's That's fair. And so that was directly focused tab See, hours. I, yeah. And that's, but again, you, so you were doing work and I apparently use my browser as a Twitter client, which no. is not unreasonable because the official Twitter client kind of sucks. Well, then after that, it's, it's Canvas, our LMS and uh, local host because I've been working on something we're not talking about yet. We're not. But it, how legit does that make you feel as a, nice. like, as a budding developer when you're like, yeah, local host? Because I was working on the cool stuff. <laughs> no, I was just looking and dragging the window. Looking <laughs> is a kind closed. of working. Okay. <laughs> and then after that, it's not surprising. It's Facebook, Twitter, Google, Reddit, Wikipedia, yeah. YouTube. But no one can take away from you that work stuff was above stupid social media stuff. For the past week when a new semester started. <laughs> yeah. So you have to check again in like March. Yeah. <laughs> See what you've got. And this, so it says you can do today average and all time. I wonder how long the all time history is. This, uh, I think you put it best. This this extension has all of one option, <laughs> yeah. so it's hard to say. I don't know, like if it really tracks forever. But I'm gonna leave it running. I'm, I'll be curious to see what comes out of it. Yeah, web timer have many options. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have to just mention this too. So I, I listen. You know, I, I take the train to work, and I use Pocket uh, to like read, read air quotes, a lot of articles uh, with the listen feature on Android because it's super convenient. And I don't know if it's them or if it's the websites that I happen to bookmark stuff from, but I've been getting a lot of percent, 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 content date, percent, percent, percent <laughs> at the end of like every article or right at the beginning. So I don't know what's happening, but it really like just the other day, I was listening to this incredibly sad, like NPR article about some tragedy a world away, and it's you know it's kind of a robo voice, like they they do their best, but it's still pretty robotic, and it's like you know, and we can't possibly get aid there fast enough. Percent, percent, percent <laughs> comments dot show comments percent. And I'm just like, Ugh. that reminds me of when Siri or 
not I guess it's not Siri. Apple Maps was freaking out with voice directions. It's like turn left on dollar sign road eight four one eight four one six dollar sign. I was like, what? See now, how would you have felt though if there was actually a sign with that? <laughs> that would have been like, amazing. Way to go, Apple Maps. <laughs> But I don't know. Do you use you don't use like a read it later or something? Do you? I have. Are you just a leave tabs open until you read it guy? No, I hate. Remember when (laughs) I borrowed your computer for a second and immediately closed all the tabs and I was like, "Sorry, this isn't my machine. Didn't mean to do that." (laughs) Yep, that's peeling the sticker off. You can't peel somebody else's sticker off. No, I, I, I've tried. Someone have Instapaper. None of them work for you. I just throw articles in there and then like. Suddenly, six months later, I'm like, oh, yeah, I threw articles in this thing. Yeah. I, okay, so I guess here's my, my counter argument to that. I have a ton of stuff in there from ages ago. I mean, there, I can't possibly deny it, but I do read a lot of things that otherwise I would have missed or had to bookmark. And I'm more, it's more important to me that my bookmarks be clean. I don't know why. Yeah. No, I don't bookmark <laughs> anything either. Yeah. So it's, I can't leave tabs open. I can't bookmark stuff. So for some reason, having a cluttered yeah. pocket is acceptable. Now, I never used Instapaper, but it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I just I either read things in the moment or I don't. <laughs> and there's no that's there's fair. no archiving. I guess probably the main thing I use it for is research stuff. So if it's like, oh, I need to read this thirty page paper, but I'm on the bus and I just don't have time, or Somebody tweets something, and I'm like, I don't want to favorite this because that sends a Twitter message. Twitter broke that. They did break it, and it sends a message, you know, like, oh, I favorited this. This is important to me. And it's like, no, I just want to look at this later. Yeah. So I used to use favoriting as faux bookmarking, and then I would unfavorite stuff, which probably Yeah, when it was a, a private, like, list of things you liked, Yeah, it was kind of useful. <laughs> Those days are gone. Yeah, we'll talk about Twitter later. Um, another quickie. Um, <laughs> um, laughing about it makes it even better. Um, it does. Is I want to take a moment and, and play a little soundbite of my sister-in-law, who is French, actually pronouncing Charlie Hebdo. So she's qualified. Yeah, she's gets to represent <laughs> all of France. All French people. So we'll just take a moment and hear that. Charlie Hebdo. Yeah, so I'm never going to be able to do that accent, but that's how you say. Yeah. So the, and what what's her name? Juliet. Ju- uh, so the French name representing all French people. Does she yep. wear a beret and a? Yep. Okay. And good. she has a mustache and an accordion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, she's actually going to be on the the next episode of the Pseudobook podcast. Excellent. Um, next week. Is she? What is she? What What's her creative endeavor? So she's an editor, film editor. Oh, awesome! Yep. I guess that so that makes sense with what your brother does. I, yeah, it's, it's a match made in heaven. Oh yeah! And uh, one other quick shout out before we get into kind of the main rundown is uh, uh, one of our our host friend of the show, Justin, uh, nominated us for best gaming podcast on the podcast awards, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome. So thank you. And uh, there's a link to it's uh, podcastawards.com that'll be in the show notes. And I kind of got the impression that you can only nominate somebody once. You can't like con- yeah. continually vote for them. Um, but if you want to go and try and hammer their servers and nominate us, that's fine. I won't. I won't even be mad. Yeah, and as we say in our little tagline, we suggest either gaming, technology, or culture. Col- yeah, it's almost like it's right there at the yeah. front of every single episode. <laughs> so, Mike, did you watch this Mario speed run? 
No, but I read about the glitch. Yeah, and you can't say you didn't have time because <laughs> it only takes the guy like 30 seconds once everything's set up. Now, the setup is what takes time. So for anybody who's not familiar with speedruns, this is not a traditional speedrun. He, A lot of people consider this cheating because it's not just a glitch. Like It's an actual full-on exploit where he... Is it tool-assisted? It's not tool-assisted. That's part of what made this so amazing is he did this on a console yeah. with an honest-to-God controller and a cartridge. See, when people call it cheating, though, I think they're just... You're misunderstanding what this yeah, what avenue of gaming is, yeah. is all about. Yeah, this is... It, I think it's honestly kind of sour grapes because the people who follow speedruns are frequently the kind of people who attempt speedruns. So, like, we didn't really beat the game. You just, like, did some wizardry, and then all of a sudden the game was over. And it's like, yeah, that's the point. Yeah. The point is he got from new game to credits. Well, I just don't understand how... What? Where do you draw the line on glitches and exploits versus smartly using the game world to get done quickly? Uh, I'm going to say if someone beats it faster than you, they cheated. And okay. if they beat it slower than you, then they aren't as good as you are. That's, okay. that's probably where the line is. That sounds but, like the Call of Duty line. Yeah, exactly. But this guy, he actually, by doing incredibly specific things like throwing a shell and then moving a block and then going down a pipe and then going down the pipe again, he actually wrote code into the game's memory, like it's, it's RAM, to <laughs> trick it into thinking Bowser had been defeated. And then it just, boom, credits. <laughs> and it's like, it's... I'm watching it, and before... So is it like a un, unsanitary code? Like he's... Yeah, I, I mean, he... <laughs> escaping out of something? Yeah, he, he, you know, big irony 90s movie hackers hacked the game <laughs> by tricking it by overloading the RAM. And I mean, you can see in... Uh, it's on Twitch, of course. Um, you can see when you watch the video, and I, I recommend it's... The whole thing is like six and a half minutes, but it, it's worth a full watch because it's just so freaking interesting. The moment he does the thing right, like a bunch of sprites appear on the screen in like places they don't belong, and then credits. Yeah. And it's just like I had to look around in a few other places to make sure because it looks fake. Yeah. It just looks like totally no, he just is trying to put one over on stupid people. But apparently it's legit. Yeah. That's just the kind of bug that you just cannot catch easily, it seems like. Oh, in play I, testing. Yeah. Like, I, I cannot imagine what led to him even figuring out that this was possible. Yeah. Then figuring out the series of events yeah, to like, make it happen. Which strings you can create by doing certain actions. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess my impression from, because he, he has like very, very, very dry and boring narration, the whole video, which is the only thing that sucks about it, is uh, I got the impression that he figured this out on a computer where he had, like, the data up and yeah. the window up so he could see what his actions were doing. Yeah. And then he took it to the console to prove he was doing it without, like, a toolkit. But it's just, it's it's freaking ridiculous. It's like, Sorry, it's eight minutes, not six minutes. But so, it, it's just ridiculous so to watch. people are really whining about this? Yeah, oh, yeah. No, the very first comment on this particular article is, not really a traditional speed run, but still interesting in a really geeky, nerdy way. And it's like, that's just, does that not smell of sour grapes? Yes. 
I mean, you know, maybe he's just not a total whiner and text I mean, just doesn't convey context well, but Jesus, relax. This is the, this is the equivalent of when Indiana Jones just shot that guy with the sword instead of <laughs> beating him in an actual sword fight. I love that scene. And then here, the second one, which is from Diddy Kong, apparently, so he's he's got sour grapes. The second DKC game? Yeah. <laughs> It says, uh, without resorting to glitches, I can beat the game in 16 minutes. That's getting to Star Road as quickly as possible so that I can reach front door Bowser's Castle at all with no deaths. I'm proud of this speedrun because it's honest and doesn't involve cheating. 16 minutes is good enough for me. <laughs> it's so whiny. They're just, that just misses the whole spirit of the speedrun community to me, which is about finding exploits and glitches. and Yeah. Like, there's a thrill of like I found a new way. Like I've seen some of the Mario 64 speedruns that just exploit the weird ways you can launch Mario. Oh yeah, the whole time he's just like hopping on the ground. Yeah, he's just like sliding on his ass super fast, and, <laughs> and he it just makes that terrible. It's just woo 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 like the whole time. I just the the verbal gymnastics you'd have to go through to define like, well, no, you got to like run and play sort of like a normal person, but I can't exactly explain all the exact. Yeah, actions of a normal person. I'm telling you, George Carlin nailed this with it's uh, anyone driving faster than you on the highway is a maniac, and anyone driving slower than you is an idiot. Yeah, and yeah, the the, the Call of Duty. Uh, if you, if you're better than me, you're obsessed with this game, and yep. you apparently have no life. <laughs> if you're worse than me, then you're my bitch. <laughs> it, it feels like that covers all cases. Yeah, I, I think we've nailed it. But yeah, go go check this out. It's um. It's even if you just kind of skip ahead to the middle, so you don't have to sit through all his narration. It's it's cool to watch the game like freak out and boom credits. Yeah. So now we got two angry tech topics to get through. Yeah. To get through that we want to talk about. <laughs> the first one's kind of funny though. So BlackBerry, poor old BlackBerry. Yeah. Falling from when, grace when they were RIM. Yeah, and they had RIMJobs.com. <laughs> that was their job search site. <laughs> That had to be on purpose, right? Oh, they're Canadian. Are Canadians that crude? <laughs> are Canadians funny? Yeah, no, they're funny. a lot of our famous comedians are Canadian. I think all the good ones. <laughs> I, that's I, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Blackberries is uh, feeling the the uh, last place love <laughs> hate. Um, they they're just noticing that people don't really want to make apps for them. And and haven't been for like a decade. And apparently, this freedom to choose what you develop for is not freedom unacceptable so they're in the news because they 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 were trying to coin the phrase app equality application neutrality oh yeah application (laughs) neutrality and uh so they they were complaining about apple who makes iMessage only available on apple devices and uh saying we make our blackberry messenger and we release it on everything well i'm sure it's not everything but yeah it's more platforms than apple and so they're basically saying, Apple, you have to make iMessage available to us. Which is never, ever going to happen. No. And in no universe, in all the multiverse of Stan Lee's mind, there is no universe in which that happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's a ridiculous request. Yeah. And it's, it's ridiculous because, I mean, kind of like we were just talking about speedruns, like, where's the line like how many platforms is all the platforms you know do you have to if some crazy person has their own home world os do you have to program for that 
Yeah. And that says nothing of like even let's just say it stops at BlackBerry. So it's it's iOS and well, iOS and Android, I guess, depending on how you measure it. So like they're the number one spot. Yeah. Then Windows Phone is like a distant third. And then Blackberry, I guess, is fourth. But, yeah. But then what? Like Symbian and <laughs> and the old is is that what old Nokia phone ran? Like the really old ones? Uh, that was their their smartphone platform in like mid like two thousand five or six. Okay. That just never quite happened, and then iOS and Android just steamrolled it. So do you have to do like do you have to go back to like Palm and what about WebOS? Yep. yep. It's still out there. Yep. Yeah, so this is, I mean, I know it's its a little hyperbolic, but it's kind of not. When you say you have to be on every platform. No. No. <laughs> and and their argument is, well, we made BlackBerry Messenger available on other platforms. After you started losing. Way after they started losing. Way after they lost. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, the original iPhone was, what, 2007? Yeah. Android followed close on its heels by like a year or two, and even though it wasn't, nearly as good to start with they immediately started to eat into blackberry alongside apple yeah to me this this is a another case of either this is just posturing to try to get some pr against apple or something or it's just kind of a misunderstanding that apple is a vertical company right they make their their platforms to sell their hardware and they they want to keep a vertical integration yeah and they kind of they always have been yeah. They want the, the they want to control the end to end experience. And Google is horizontal. It's let's get our services everywhere. Yeah. Which is a lot of the companies in the market, but yeah, it's like there's more than one way to run your business that currently seems to work and sorry BlackBerry but yeah, and I I take I take personal umbrage to this <laughs> because I do think there are a lot of things in technology, like we've talked about with uh, you know broadband and wireless networks and stuff, where those things would benefit from some government regulation, because competing in those markets is either impossible or so close to impossible that it's functionally impossible. But having producing a good app is not one of those areas. Like yeah. this is not a place where you need the government to step in. And you can see if you look at – you should never read the comments, but I fall victim to this from time to time. If you look through some of the comments on this TechCrunch article, a lot of them are like, you know, oh, that's what we need, more government overreach. And it's like, no, 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 yeah. no. There are times that that makes sense. This person is just an idiot. <laughs> He's just asking for something dumb that don't blame the government for him being an idiot. <laughs> yeah. And also, what government is this even an appeal to? Because, I mean, they're a Canadian company, but Apple and Google are American companies. So is this an appeal to the United States government? You're expecting a lot of rationality from a commenter. Is it? No, no, no. no. I mean, from the BlackBerry CEO, Uh John Chen. Like, who is he asking to enforce this? No one. He he just wants wants people to complain about Apple. Yeah. You might have hit the nail on the head. This could just be whiny PR grab. Like, what if I say something really asinine? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then I'll get some page views. Yeah. Well, anyway, it is it is just profoundly dumb to suggest that as a developer you have to support every platform. Yeah, it is. It, it's that's it. I mean, it's impossible. I mean, right now it, most startups don't even go to both Android and iOS at start. It's they usually pick one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and for BlackBerry to expect BlackBerry apps is to also presume 
Windows Phone apps because they couldn't possibly make the argument that they have a bigger market share than Windows Phone. So, I mean, if you're, they have to come along for the ride, right? Yeah. So it's like, oh, hey, are you a little bespoke Android or iOS developer? Now you have to develop for three more platforms <laughs> or go to jail? Yeah. Get shut down? I don't know. There's also just the theme of companies always want to commoditize the other, their competitors' strengths and keep private their own strength. I don't know what BlackBerry's strength is anymore, but <laughs> you'd like to take away Apple's whatever they have that's exclusive to them and yeah. make that ubiquitous so that it's not worth anything when customers are trying to decide what to buy. Yeah, but you have to do that, you know, in a non-dumb way. Right. So, <laughs> you know, Google and Apple have... Samsung does that. Yeah. By copying Apple's style, they're like, oh, if you want a shiny rectangle, we make shiny rectangles. Yeah. And I mean, even beyond style, like Google and Apple have both attacked Microsoft by destroying the price of operating system software. Yeah. By making it zero. Very true. And Microsoft competed by making hardware worth nothing by driving it down. Yep. To nothing. Just somehow Apple managed to survive by convincing rich people to continue buying it. Soon everything will be free. <laughs> yep, that's the inevitable <laughs> result. Is it? Good. But was... nothing will be valuable. Damn it. <laughs> All right, so... Some poet coined that or something. Michael Edwards? So, yep. <laughs> the, the poet? He probably talked about this next thing as well, which is... And I we have to talk about this, but I'm so sad that... All tech news now revolves around Comcast. Yeah. Like, I'm, aside from the fact that I want the government to do the right thing, I'm really looking forward to the FCC ruling so that we can be done talking about Comcast forever. Like, I want them to do the right thing, and then I never have to think about Comcast again. Yeah. Because I'm so tired of Comcast. But they just keep coming up with new ways to look really evil. So the latest is they really, really, really want to merge with Time Warner Cable. Right. Which we've known. You know, however big and monopolistic and monopsonistic you think (laughs) Comcast is, they're going to get even bigger if they get this. Yeah. Which I I love their reasoning when they first came out, which was, well, Comcast and Time Warner already doesn't compete. So, of course, we can merge because we already don't have competition. It's like, that's kind of a crazy, like, well, I didn't cheat on you, baby. My eyes were closed. It might have been you. It's just like, it 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 makes sense to a five-year-old, but no adult would see two monopolies merging as not being a monopoly. They're trying to wash over the fact that they wouldn't have a huge, even bigger advantage in the market as a whole by merging with Time Warner Cable. Right. By saying, well, if you take just a tiny little sliver of land at a time, little samples, we're not competing with them. Yeah, Yeah, but you're going to be one even bigger company competing with everyone. Yeah. And I'll never, I will never ever get tired of the fact that Comcast has a lower approval rating than Congress. I mean, what what is funnier to joke about than how much people hate Congress? How much people apparently hate Comcast. Like that, it blows my mind. So here's what they're doing now, or at least here's the thing they've got caught doing now. They've probably been doing this forever. Um, they write letters in the voice of small town municipality officials, like mayors, um, local government officials. They send them to their offices. 
the municipality officials like mayors and whatnot, and there are actually names in this article. So if you want to know exactly who's a jackass, you can find out. <laughs> um, these people uh, basically just rubber stamp the letter as exactly as it's written by a PR executive at Comcast, and then that is sent off to the federal government. And these letters say things like, I wholeheartedly support this merger, and they've been so good to my town, and they're wonderful, and all of my constituents love Comcast. I mean, it's just this yeah. just bald face, like, sucking up total, and, oh, shock of shocks, all of these politicians happen to have gotten campaign donations from Comcast. Yeah, I, I mean, the sad thing is this is kind of how legislation is written these days. It really is lobbyists that contribute tons of language to legislation yeah and i so i have a friend who who is pretty boned up on these sort of things and he's a fan of the show so if you want to give me some feedback on how rampant this thing is i know comcast is not the only company that does this and i know that politicians can't be expected to be experts in every single thing that they have to make legislation on what i want to know is is all of our legislation just basically written by companies like, do the politicians have any hand in it, or do they just, like, sign their name? They're just the gatekeeper that needs to be paid off to get into the the, the treasury of yeah. deciding what the rules are. That's how it feels, and that really would bum me out if it was that black and white. Yeah. There needs to be at least a little nuance, otherwise I'm going to be sad. It's a tough problem because you can't just have prohibition because companies are still going to talk to and influence politicians. So you have to find a like a sane way to facilitate that in society. Right. That hopefully isn't toxic and corrupt. Yeah, it's pretty corrupt. Yeah. <laughs> I suspect this is why it's so important uh to a lot of people to make uh campaign donations and contributions transparent. Because and limited. <laughs> and limited, but it, like if you Mike uh what what kind of microphone do you have there? Uh, a Shure KSM. Okay, so if you tell me that Shures are like the greatest microphones ever, and then I find out, you know, you come into work with like a Shure jacket on, and <laughs> you got a Shure keychain, and and I'm like, hey, use this link when you buy your Shure mic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then it's like, oh, well, he's probably involved with that company. Now that doesn't automatically mean your opinion is invalid, but it does color your opinion. Right? I have yeah, I have reasons other than sure is a great mic exactly. to say that. <laughs> yeah. And which again is fine, but well, I, I mean, need to know that. And journalists have to or unless they're scumbags, <laughs> declare when they have stock in a company they report on or yeah. like things that make sense cuz you could be you could be put in jail or at least fined if you're putting information out there that puffs up your personal stock yeah it's i think that's part of insider trading because yeah. it's or it's, it's involved in in that kind of legislation and I, I have so one of my podcasting heroes leo laporte laporte um <laughs> he he said publicly more than once that he never ever ever buys stock or invests or any kind of involvement with tech companies so that he can shamelessly talk about them and so, like, if he says he loves something, you know he's not trying to make a buck. If he says he absolutely hates something, you know he's not, like, going to have Silicon Valley guys, like, hunting him down. It's like, yeah. oh, you talked up their chat tool, but not our chat. Like, he stays out of that. Yeah. Which, I mean, he's, I don't think he would consider himself a journalist, but, like, no, it's sad that the entertainment guy has more, like, journalistic <laughs> integrity. Yeah. And that's obviously not everyone wants to go... Like and not invest in things, but as long as you disclose it, 
I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so, it, you know, that transparency would be good. But uh, that's not what we're getting from Comcast. They're yeah. just evil. So if you're out there listening, Dave, my, my politi- politician friend, um, please give me a positive spin on this so I don't have to hang myself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I would be... I actually do think that lobbying in the general sense is an important activity that people and companies that it, it doesn't have to be shady it is when it's comcast but <laughs> there's companies and it's like yeah we know this industry we think these are better rules for like it doesn't have to be a we're just trying to make ourselves invincible right it can be a no this is a better way to regulate this or do this and it's yeah, because they're presumably they're the experts. Yeah. So you just have to balance it with like conflict of interest and yep. setting up barriers to entry and stuff like that. Because um, secretly, big companies kind of love regulation because it means no small companies can ever exist and survive to challenge them. True. Um, so on the the broken records of things we complain <laughs> about, there's Comcast and then there's Twitter. Yep. And this one should be quick, but. Uh, Twitter still hates developers, and uh, this bit, uh, developers of Tweetbot, um, is that the name of their company too? I forget. Sure. Tapbot, Tapbot's the company. Tapbot? Um, yeah, they fell, bro- they fell broken. Um, <laughs> their app broke because Twitter severely limits the number of tokens that are granted to third-party apps, and so... Tweetbot not only couldn't let people weren't able to log in, but it, uh, apparently this got them pulled from the app store because you're a broken app. Yeah, because it, it doesn't work. And Apple doesn't want you taking people's money for something that doesn't work. Yep. And the, here's my deal, and I think we've said this before: is Twitter clearly doesn't want to invest in third-party development anymore. They don't really care about having an open platform that is a thriving ecosystem of developers. But they won't just pull the plug and say, yeah, we're done with that now. We are a first party product. We're going to maintain our own platform. Right. They just, it's sort of, I mean, the analogy is you won't break up with your girlfriend. You're just treating (laughs) her like shit until she she leaves on her own. It's the coward's way out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I I read from on Twitter a, a developer friend of mine that apparently somewhere along the line, they've also made it so that certain features are not accessible through their API. Pretty much any new feature doesn't yeah. go to third-party API. Yeah, which means you can't possibly have parity with them unless you reinvent the wheel, or if you need access to data that's in Twitter, you're just out of luck. Yeah, and I mean, I, I was a fan of TweetBot, but I stopped using it, not because the app got worse, the app's amazing, but because like on the App Mentions tab, you literally only see when people App Mention you. You don't see favorites, you don't see oh, follows, you don't the, see... the activity. Yeah, none of the other activity. And I like seeing that activity. I like knowing when people retweet me or yeah. favorite my stuff. And you just cannot see that. Yeah, I mean, I, the TweetBot's uh, it's iOS only, so I haven't used it. But the same kind of problems have been with Android Twitter clients where it'll work fine and then all of a sudden, like, I can't sign in. Mm-hmm. Because they were, I think there's like a free range of tokens, and then if you pay, you can get up to. I think it's free for like a hundred thousand, and then it's like a million is some amount of money or a percentage yeah. or something. But so it's like the free ones, like they go fast if it's a good app. 
And then they're gone, and then people refuse to ever log out of Twitter because they don't want to give it up. Yeah. So then the app, like, it gets all crusty and broken, and they can't give it new features, and they can't push updates because they they might have to issue new tokens. Like, it's just, ugh. Yeah, it's not. It's clearly not a metering where Twitter like it's like, well, we just need to maintain the API and we want to have a little revenue to support it. It's clearly, yeah, you're not welcome here, and we just won't. We just won't come out and say it. Yeah. So I don't Stop know. Stop it, Twitter. Like, make just make a decision. Be open or close it. But yeah. this little limbo game is is bad. Yeah. And I imagine that the companies like Tapbot and others have to be hedging and, and trying to. Do break into other app markets? Oh yeah, I mean they were they were really early on App.net, which didn't pan out, but they they Sadly. had they basically ported Tweetbot to be a a Twitter style client for App.net. Appbot, yeah. So I, it's um it's an opportunity I think for someone to dethrone them, but everyone always acts like that, like oh, is this the MySpace killer? Is this the Facebook killer? Is this? Yeah. The, it never happens that fast. It's always a long, slow, sad, languishing death. Because once you get to a critical mass of millions of users, I think Twitter has like 39 million users, which means it's six real people and then yeah. 38 million bots. But once you get to that mass of users, you don't have just the, the nerds on the forefront of technology anymore. Yeah. You have real people who do not want to switch services. You know, I mean, uh, what was it Jaiku? Was it Jaiku? Do you remember Jaiku? Haiku? No, it oh. was with a J. Maybe it was pronounced Haiku. Oh, okay. But it was an alternative to Twitter, and it was better in like every possible respect. It had a better interface. You could do more stuff. Stuff they've some of it they've now integrated into Twitter. Yeah. But like it was just it was, was just the product just too complicated for regular people to no. rock. <laughs> no, it was it was somewhere in complication it was i would say between titter it was somewhere between twitter with a w and uh tumblr in terms of okay. complexity so not hard type in a box press send you know um but you could like embed music and stuff kind of the way like soundcloud like shows up yeah. now in twitter you could do that in jaiku i mean this was four five six years ago and but it's it just nobody was there. Yeah. Just like app.net, nobody's there. Ello, nobody's there. So nobody's yeah. gonna use it. That's the thing. It's always the center of gravity of the network effect. Of that's what. So that the reason I brought up complexity is. Whoops, I just bumped the table. Um, is because I think the reason Twitter could rise was because everyone had the slightly more complex one. They had Facebook, where you could post video and pictures and polls and and tag people and do all this stuff. And so. Twitter had to be so radically simple so that it could stand out. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the whole reason they have the ridiculous limit isn't some critique on brevity. It's because they wanted it to work over SMS, right? which is a 160-character limit. And so whether it was genius or accident, that's, I think, one of the reasons it could get some traction with people is it was a different platform. I mean, we've talked about... I think Twitter is uniquely suited to comedians because of the brevity. That oh, it's awesome! You you tell little jokes and that's it. You're done. And yep. like, I don't see that happening. I mean, Facebook does it. I mean, all the platforms do it with images. Like, there's just memes everywhere. But as far as actual just one line jokes, image or not, that's mainly a Twitter thing. Yeah. And Facebook's more like I wrote three paragraphs and I'm complaining and in other forms, but. Yeah, so um, it just felt different enough, but 
I want to know, you know, if they keep doing this shitty thing. Eventually, the tech people are going to want to leave. Yep. Because they're going to get fed up. Yeah, with, that, with you're messing with my timeline, you're injecting all this crap into it. I can't. Um, if they if they go full Facebook and just like your newsfeed is some magic box of an incomprehensible order that oh, they no, decided that, that'll be it. Like I'll be out. Yeah. Like don't don't break chronology, bro. <laughs> yeah. Now I, I love Google Plus. Um, I use it a lot, but I use it for a very specific kind of communication public and then a more targeted communication with like friends and family to share certain things. And I, I like it. I, it's a great tool, but I would say Twitter is my primary like social network. And if they break chronology, that'll be it. That'll be because that's the feature that I'm, I'm relying on above all other features. So when they inevitably decide that they know what order the timeline should be in better and you can't change it back, I will slowly start phasing myself out of Twitter. What's almost more frustrating on Facebook is you can change it to a chronological order, but it switches back automatically later at some unknown time. So you can't just say, for all of time, this is how I read things. Yeah, and that killed me on it when I was, because I was starting to use Facebook less and less uh, when I was getting out of college, and I started to notice like, Oh, someone asked me if I saw this thing and it it never came up. And that was like right when they were starting to screw with the timeline and, or the news feed. And, uh, when I, I was like, extra, (laughs) extra, I was like, Oh, I can just switch it back. No big deal. I'm a tech guy. I can find settings. And then, you know, a day later, a week later, an hour later, it would suddenly be all random crap again. I was like, no, it's not what I asked for. And without fail, what happens, and this is like, this isn't just, oh, I have a different preference. This is like an actual user frustration I encounter all the time on Facebook is I'm on Facebook and I go somewhere else on the web and right before the page switches to load, I see something I actually wanted to like, oh, there's an article (laughs) that looks interesting, but the page switches. So I hit back. And guess what? I've got a completely different yeah, set. Gone forever. And it's not like, oh, well, you came back a day later. There's just new stuff, bro. It's no, I was just on Facebook at the top of my timeline. Yep. And it decided to reset the Rubik's Cube and, and new puzzle. <laughs> yeah. And I think this is why I've always given Google Plus a pass is two things. One, they were very upfront. They're like, we are the algorithm guys. We're going to algorithm all over your newsfeed. Just make peace I think that's one of our show titles. (laughs) (laughs) Who who algorithms the algorithmers? (laughs) It is indeed. Was that back in like the 30s? It's a long time ago. Um, And then the other thing is you can turn up and down very easily what's important to you, and they actually respect it. Like, I have set certain family members and close friends that I never, ever, 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 ever want to miss their stuff. And I haven't. It always shows up. Yeah. You know, so like, that's fine. If you're going to give me settings, they need to actually do the thing. Yeah. Uh. I bet there's a there's probably some studies out there that Facebook can kind of choose your friends because they're choosing what you see. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's if you are a heavy Facebook user. But you and I aren't really that close to friends, but you like everything I share and, and I, you know, comment on your things occasionally. That's just going to keep driving your crap up into my feed. <laughs> you specifically, Michael. Yeah. yeah, but you know what I mean? So it's like you end up having this weird shaping yeah. of what you see totally against your will. And I mean, this is why, like, I still have a Facebook account, but I 
I'm on like a tag only life. Like if you don't tag, tag me, life. yeah. If you don't tag me or call me out specifically, I don't. So see the thing. do you have the apps installed or no? no. <laughs> I didn't think so. Um, <laughs> God. So no. do you get email notifications for these or when I'm tagged? Yeah. Yes. So like even like if my wife shares something on Facebook, I do not know about it. She but knows if, that she's got to post it to Google Plus. Yeah, or just you know tell me, but. <laughs> But you it, actually talk to your wife? Not if I'm I can help kidding. it. But. Just kidding. <laughs> but you know, so that's like, and I've I've not seen any reduction in the quality of my life. You know, and I'm sure, like, I like Twitter, but if they go full moron and I stop using them, it'll be annoying at first to change. It's not really going to decrease the quality of my life. This is probably the only reason I'm always part of the gold rush when a new, even no matter how dubious a new platform is, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to grab Michael. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, I have, now that I have uh, a year or two ago settled forever on who I am on the internet for the final time, I hope. Um, yeah. Total land grab. <laughs> like, oh, hey, it's a nice platform you got there. You got any more of them usernames? <laughs> So let's get to some topics that aren't as anger-induced. Yeah. I just Real quick, before we talk about Google, can I just mention the e-ink monitor? Yeah. So some Chinese company made an e-ink monitor, and you have to go check out the show notes so you can see the video of it. The refresh rate is unbelievably fast. Like, it's not, you know, IMAX theater fast, but you have never it's, seen e-ink It's refresh. not a 120 hertz monitor. But yeah, <laughs> but you've never seen e-ink Four millisecond bro gaming monitor. <laughs> It's it's like it's usable because I mean you know I I have one of the newer Kindles at home and I would not drag a mouse around on that screen right but this like there's video of a guy moving the mouse around clicking dragging stuff it's it's super fast um, I I I think there's a possibility for e ink as secondary or tertiary screen you know so it's like yeah. I'm coding and i have an e-ink screen that's just all code or i that would be nice on the eyes yeah it would be way better or like if you uh i don't know say like you you're a a proofreader or a writer or something so it's like you're just staring at black and white text all day that doesn't have to be an lcd screen that could be an e-ink screen it'd be nice for if you do like i've been doing lately designing in grayscale yeah and then definitely doing color last one sad thing it's like $1,000 for yeah. a 13-inch monitor, and it's only available in China. Okay. So, Some limitations. Yeah, a little bit. But it's interesting. Yeah, E-Ink may be just a, a kind of a workhorse that, you know, it's never going to be the rock star center of stage, but it, it might have a nice, important little supporting role to play in, in tech. Yeah. I spent, uh, one of the, the last cool things about this is E-Ink so low power that you can power it entirely over USB. Yeah. So you can get data over USB and still have enough bandwidth to do the power. So you really could just plug it into your laptop, and it's an external monitor. It's not your primary screen. Probably not for a thousand dollars, though. No. So yeah. So on this next one, I'm very, very interested to see happen for a couple reasons. So Google's going to offer cell service as an MVNO. Yeah. So they're going to resell Sprint and uh, T-Mobile's. Spectrum, right? Which is but act as their own carrier. Yeah, and it's in the, the fact that they chose Sprint and T-Mobile itself is even interesting because not only are they three and four in terms of like market share, but they're two different radios. Yeah. So it seems like any more of these cell phones come like supporting almost every radio, though. Well, but this is what I'm interested in. So 
am I going to be able to buy like the newer iPhones, for example? They there's just an iPhone. Yeah, it can take a SIM card or it can work on a, a CDMA network, and it just yeah, it just it's, works. It's one SDK. Yeah. So that means if I have a device, Not SDK, SKU, SKU, one SKU. <laughs> so if I have a device that has a CDMA radio and a GSM radio. And I'm paying Google for access to those two things. Does that mean I have like super Venn diagram coverage? Right. That'd be cool. Or can you not do handoffs between? I I don't know. Like, I don't know how the tech works. I think the most interesting thing is because it's Google. But I think in terms of like their strategy in the market is Google. This is another thing where Google wants to commoditize their competitors. And while I wouldn't say that Verizon and AT&T are competitors, they're at least an inefficiency in their market they would love to smooth over. They're a hindrance. And (laughs) here's the interesting thing about them being a cell provider is Google doesn't have to profit off of cell service if it means they can get customers onto other platforms through it. It can be a loss leader. And so, I mean, presumably Sprint and T-Mobile will work out a deal that's good for them no matter what but will google be selling the service at a loss or just at cost i could imagine at a small loss or at cost the way um i i heard a good explanation of it because i was always curious about how mvno works and basically you so your sprint and you want to sell some of your spectrum to be used by you know google or boost or whoever and what they're doing is they already have the fixed cost of maintaining the network, so that's what they charge. But Google's not going to factor in like running Sprint stores and running a Sprint yeah. call center because all that's variable cost. That's Sprint's problem. I'll know something has changed when Google opens up brick and mortar stores. Yeah, that'll be like a different. That'll be a change. It will. But I can imagine them like some of their business products. They have excellent customer service for. Yeah, you know, so they they do know how to do customer service. And they don't have to open a physical store. I don't want a physical store. You know, so if I can get the same cuz I use T-Mobile now. If I can get the same quality T-Mobile service for less money, maybe sprint coverage on top. Yeah. That that would really be amazing if that actually works. But for less money with good support, you know, as good support or better maybe. Like why would I not do that? I mean, it's already an Android phone that's dialed in all Google stuff anyway. Like, what am I, what's. Well, I would just enjoy the, the thought that if I want to change my plan or switch or get out of something, I know Google is going to be less of a douche than any of the carriers. T Mobile's pretty good. Right. But they're, I mean, they're pretty like, great. the thought of, like, that is a real form of lock in is the hassle and headache of, oh, there's early termination fees and. <laughs> You're going to make this difficult. You're not going to make this easy. Oh, and yeah. I know it's Google. It'll be literally signing into a website and choosing what I want and hitting submit. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> That's and, what I want. I want yeah. cell service to be that. And and I'm I'm with you on the the breakup call. <laughs> like the there's tons of recordings of sorry Comcast people, you know, trying to like no nah, baby don't go. But we've been so good together. Don't don't you love our, our 25 megabits up? three megabits down it's like no no i don't i want to leave and they're like nah baby no nah, who who else is going to take you after me you huh? want you want a landline and, no yeah and it just it turns into like this crazy retention upsell nightmare and i can't imagine google doing that i i can only imagine exactly what you said a web form with a radio button i'm like oh i have the 
the four line hundred dollar a month plan and now i need the five line hundred and twenty dollar a month plan click save done <laughs> yeah. that's awesome yeah more of that please especially if they it's not just a i really don't see them doing a vertical android only carrier or something i think it'll no i they have narrowed uh their focus and closed up a lot since android launched and it was the undisputed underdog but that to me does not seem like it would benefit them because the amount of negative press would be so prominent yeah it's like but it's also it's not their strategy like that's what i mean their point would be let's let's make it easy for people to use the internet because when people use the internet they use our stuff and that's good (laughs) yeah which i like i mean i know obviously they're this this massive monolith in the the tech world and even in just the world in general. But I kind of like that. They're like, yeah, you, you know, when you open a web browser, you can open Firefox or internet Explorer and go to Bing or go to Alta Vista or web crawler or <laughs> AOL keywords or whatever. whatever Spider-Man's using these days. <laughs> <laughs> the least believable part, <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, they're, it's very true. And this is why they support net neutrality because it's like, you, you know, it's it's like an old text adventure. It's like you arrive at a junction in the road. You can go left and use Google or you can go right and use Bing. And no one goes right and uses yeah, Bing. Yeah, you're going to be eaten by a wolf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I love that because they're like, we're, we're on an exactly level playing field. Our product is better. That's why people use our product. Not because they're forced to. You know, no one in the history of the world has ever unironically said, oh, just Bing it. <laughs> Just, uh, I'm going to just Bing that. And I mean, it's not like it sounds any dumber than Google that. And as as lowbrow and dumb it is, it is funny to jokingly say you should Bing that. Yeah. It just it oozes irony. And I don't hate Microsoft. I hate most of what they make, but I don't hate them. Well, and that's, so that's actually a beautiful transition into this, this last yep. thing. And this is, this is the meaty story. This is the one that I'm really curious about. So... I have to say, as the true lead-in to this, they've discontinued the Explore edition of Google Glass. I have a Google Glass that was lovingly provided to me by our office for testing. Super cool, because I... I yeah. $1,500. Um, but but they, they have retired it, and they were very clear that they still want to do a consumer product. Well, here's the thing that confesses that to me confesses that confesses? proves yeah. that to me is and also as a ironic quotes apple fanboy mm. that tony fidel the guy who one of the main guys that helped create the ipod that was with nest and got acquired by google he's on the glass product now okay yeah so that to me is like oh they're throwing like actual talent into this it's not just like a quiet death like right <laughs> You know, Google Glass went to a nice farm upstate. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, it seems like they're, they they actually are still invested, and they're just like, oh, let's go to round two. Yeah, and there's, there's been some talk about, like, are they going to go to this new super low-power Intel chip? Are they going to take the camera out because the camera is the thing that everybody had grief with? You know, like, what are they going to do to make it a version two? Has anyone done the Back to the Future gif of him playing guitar? Like, oh, you you just weren't ready for this, but your kids are going to love it. (laughs) No, but they should have. Oh, man. 
<laughs> How has no one made that joke until this moment? That's like the perfect way to explain Google Glass. Uh, th- thank you for that. I can't believe I didn't think of that. That's like one of my favorite movies ever. Um, but they so there's there's a, an interesting article in here where this guy like rips apart in our show notes where this guy like rips apart like all the things they could change and whether or not it'll save it. And uh, it was interesting for me to read those because I, I wrote a couple of articles about glass on my blog. We'll just have to link to them. We might just have to. Um, but I did something kind of crazy, and I talked about this when I did it. But like I helped a uh, a doctor at our medical campus um, test it for cadaver dissection, and it was like that's. I don't know of any other camera products that would have fit that very, very specific niche. I mean, you could have bought a GoPro, but then it would be wide-angle sport footage. Yeah, and the GoPro, as tiny as it is, it's not right above my eyebrow. You know, it's very, very small, but it's not that close. And when I was doing that particular kind of work, I'm my face is like less than a foot from my hands, but I want the video to show what my hands are doing. You know, so it's like, I mean, again, I admit that's an incredibly narrow market, but it does solve an interesting well, problem. Well, yeah, in certain POV situations, I could see a half a foot difference being a big deal on the angle. Exactly. When you're skiing down a mountain, you kind of, you know, your helmet's fine. Like yeah. a big wide angle, beautiful footage of you zooming down the mountain. The vistas. That's fine. The windows <laughs> vistas. Oh, man, that, to start to interrupt, because <laughs> we're going to get to Microsoft's thing, but... I've never been interested in hockey. That's a you know sport puck. I don't know what you'd call that. Um, sport stick. Sport puck. Sport stick. Sport stick. Sport ice. <laughs> um, but they are they're trying. Um, the Onion always comes out with funny articles about how fledgling and, and dying hockey is. But um, they are throwing GoPros on every single player and. I saw some footage of just what happens when they're controlling a puck, and it's fucking amazing what they do with the puck. Yeah. Which I, I, I guess I didn't really know. I mean, I knew, like, no, yeah, that, I can't do fair. that. They flip it up. They hit it, it in the air. Like, there's cool stuff. It's different to see the HD 120 like frames POV. perfect POV yeah. shot of, like, he was, like, kicking it off his skates and slapping it back and forth and tricking the goalie. And it was just like, wow. Like, maybe I would be more interested in watching hockey if I could see this kind of stuff. Yeah. Instead of just this bird's eye view of, like, I can't even see the puck. They're slapping at 90 miles an hour. and Well, it makes it easier for a layman to appreciate the craft. Yeah. Because if you played hockey or you are a huge hockey fan, I'm sure you see little things that like you or I wouldn't see. But when you've got super slow-mo HD first-person footage, it's hard to miss. And as we were playing with the other day, there's still kind of just a raw human satisfaction watching slow-mo footage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's amazing. <laughs> Especially water. Anything with water and splashing and pouring. And yes. Did you see the, the ultra, I think it was on Reddit, the ultra hydrophobic metal? No. <laughs> this is totally unrelated to everything, but it was amazing. I'll try and find the link for this and put it in the show notes. Um, this guy, uh, th- this research team, Using lasers, which is just automatically <laughs> cool. They made, <laughs> yes, the Dr. Evil finger. They, using lasers, they made this ultra hydrophobic um, metal surface, which means water doesn't just, it's just, it's not just non porous. Water like hates it. Is it is afraid of water. Yes, like water <laughs> hates it with a fiery passion. So 
they in you know like 240 frames it's like this little droplet of water hitting it and then bouncing off like a rubber ball which wow. i've i've seen that kind of thing before but first off it's metal that was crafted with lasers <laughs> so it's already cool and then in the super you know hd super close up high def it's just uh, it's, it's beautiful it's a thing to behold and all of this ties together into an amazing segue to we have to talk about HoloLens. Yeah, so this is another case of like super props to Microsoft Research because they come out with stuff that is undeniably impressive all the time. It doesn't always become a consumer product. It almost never becomes consumer product. But they're still doing great stuff that is part of the future, um, whether it takes a while and some other company eats their lunch or whatever. But... Um, so tell tell me about HoloLens. So the HoloLens is it's a a headset. It looks a lot trimmer than the the Oculus Rift. Um, most of the the guts are up in the helmet, so you got thin goggles, and it's an augmented reality headset, not a virtual reality headset. Which means you can see the world through like a light tinted lens. But then there's stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna use the word projected because I'm not sure what the right term is, but there's st- Images projected onto, projected onto the lenses <laughs> so that you... You should post this on Titter. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me today. I got a swollen tongue. So, But it looks like um, like the demos they had are like Minecraft is like in your house. So like you're looking at a coffee table and it has Minecraft like on the table and you can like reach out and like move bricks around. But you still see the table. You still see the rest of your house. And... I saw, you know, uh, promo shots, and obviously video doesn't do it justice. You have to wear the thing. But there's this amazing Ars Technica article where the guy basically said, it works exactly as well as they're claiming it works. Now, he admits that the demo unit had um, an umbilical cord, power, data, processing, all happening off the helmet. But... It's like the effect was still there, regardless of where the guts and smarts were. Yeah. It works. And there's a without getting into the crazy optics of it too much, mainly because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> An important consideration with uh, this technology is in VR and a lot of these other headsets, your eyes freak the hell out. They do not know where you're looking. They do not know what depth to focus on because things appear to be far away, but really they're all up on. Yeah. So what's apparently amazing about the HoloLens is it either creates the illusion of depth in a way that tricks your brain or something so that your eyes, when you're looking at something far off, like if I'm right now, I'm looking out the window, if it's projecting something onto the stadium way over there, my brain actually focuses on that distance, yeah. which prevents your eyes from straining and it prevents so you I from wonder, feeling nauseous. So I've recently been at the eye doctor and they have machines. Maybe Microsoft is using some similar ideas on how to read eyes. Because now, it, instead of, I mean, the doctor will still go through the, is one better or two? <laughs> is three or four? But like 99% of the way is a machine that points at my eye and I look and then it's like, oh, here's his prescription. Yep. And here's what he's looking at. And I wonder if it's basically that in some newer, more accelerated form of like, what's the focal distance of his eye right now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to imagine there, the the majority of the technology in this is probably 
reading your eyes activity more than anything else yeah. because projecting images onto a screen is not that incredible but projecting them based on super crazy calculations because if you've ever here's another cool slow motion thing have you ever seen slow motion footage of someone's eye it's like fast and rapid all over the damn place yeah. like it's really really fast and it it looks like you're tweaking out on something <laughs> so to to read that with a camera or lasers i don't know whatever um and then do calculations based on it to project things into an honest to god physical 3d space is like it's the future and i mean that that's how this article is on ours our technical is he calls it flat out magical yeah and i know everyone likes to joke about magical because steve Jobs said it a lot and it's kind of played out for hyping something but um i like to think of this there's like VR happening right now and some of these new augmented reality things. Also the, the Intel drone pathfinding stuff as like, um, I like to go back to the, the iPhone demonstration, which is there's a bunch of tech happening and none of the individual pieces are like unforeseen or brand new. Like there had been touchscreens before there had been smartphones, there had been web browsers on smartphones, but it's sort of like a moment of, Oh, someone put that all together. And it like works, yeah. And there's kind it's of the unifying that kind moment. of like oh, this is the world now, like astonishment, like yep. And so, yeah, I knew companies have been doing eye tracking stuff for a while now, and some of these other pieces, but it's like someone put it together, and oh, this is a thing now. Well, some of these demos are just like there's a a woman she's in a like a bathroom trying to fix some plumbing under the sink. And from her point of view, there's a Skype window with her dad projected up, like, next to the sink. And from the dad's point of view, he's on a Surface tablet. And he (laughs) can see what she's seeing. So there must be, like, a front-facing camera. And he's, like, circling stuff. Like, this is the pipe you need to change. This is the fitting that's loose or whatever. And you can then, you know, like, she sees that projected into her hand. Like... Oh, this thing that I'm pointing at, and he's like, "Yes, that thing." And there's no confusion. And nice. these these demos are just like I, the Oculus Rift has always been interesting to me. Like I, I want to try it. Like if I'm ever, I would seek this out. Like, yeah, if I, I, I knew to, some, like, I want to know where the Hololens is so I can go try. Like it. if if it came to a conference in Denver, it'd be like I might pay to go to that conference just to try the Hololens. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like this is a line waiting product for me. And I, I hate to say it, but I'm basing that almost entirely off this one review because Microsoft, not known for bringing incredible products to market shortly after research. Microsoft, yeah. not really a media darling right now. Yeah. So they do have some <laughs> underdog stuff going on, though. They, they totally are, do. I think I saw an article like people are ready to root for them again. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think Balmer getting out yeah. is a big part of that. Some fresh blood. Yeah. I do have one question about HoloLens. Go for it. When will it be ported to BlackBerry? <laughs> uh, not soon enough. And and that actually, so I don't remember saying anything about it in this article, but it does raise the question like, oh, this is cool. Is it going to be Windows only and Windows Phone only and Windows Surface only? Because there's no way that this thing is going to be cheap. Yeah. And if I have to also buy $5,000 worth of other equipment... 
to get use out of this piece and of equipment? That's always the question out of Microsoft Research is you, you kind of put your MBA head on, hopefully for not too long, and you go, <laughs> like, what's the go-to-market strategy? What's the job to be done? Like, obviously there's cool demos, but there's also kind of a sense of, okay, developers, make this a product. And it's like, um, you make the product. Yeah. yeah you, and then you once you have start- more... Once you have millions of eyeballs under your command, we will be kicking over each... We'll be stampeding like Black Friday to come. Yeah. I mean, I think you get some tech enthusiasts who, like, they see the promise and they're like, I want to develop for that platform. But that's not going to sell millions of units. You you have to start off with the, the killer apps... Yeah, first. Or, and you, I think, you can't completely field of dreams it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I mean, everyone's argument who saw the Minecraft demo is like, this is the one and only reason they bought Minecraft or Mahjong or however you say Mojang. it. Is it Mojang? That's how I say okay. it. Ma- Mahjang. So this is, I mean, when you see the, again, their press screenshots, it's not quite the real experience. Um, but when you see the video of, the the guy like in his living room and he like reaches out and he like I think he makes the chimney bigger on his little house he just like grabs it and stacks it and I mean I don't know about you but I spent untold numbers of hours playing with Legos as a kid yeah so having destruction derby man <laughs> you get ten minutes to build a car and then we're gonna crash them into each other <laughs> I, you know I don't think I ever intentionally destroyed my Lego stuff. Yeah, I apparently I missed out well, on that part of my childhood. We had some giant influx of like, here's just a bunch of pieces. It wasn't like we mixed the, not sets. Yeah, I mean, I had sets too, but we didn't mix them all into that giant bucket. That, it's like <laughs> sets were for building and setting right. on the shelf. Yes, and there's then the, the castle. There's the space station. The giant bucket was for random. Yeah, no, I could feel that. I, I will admit that some. I would do that right now if we had a bucket of Legos. <laughs> I'd say, all right, we're doing destruction derby. I think we might have Legos. I have to, hmm. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, um, <laughs> but it's little nostalgia. Minecraft washing over. Is yeah, Legos for newbies. Well, and it's 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 digital. Like the idea of building something digital, but with that not tactile, but a physical attachment yeah. to it. And also, you'll never accidentally step on a Minecraft block at two a.m. when you're getting a glass of water. Yeah, which according to the internet is worse than cancer. I have heard that, which. <laughs> Seems a little extreme. I've never had cancer, but Lego blocks really hurt. <laughs> so I just, I'm just saying, really hurts. And I, I just definitely, we're going to get an, an email about that. But this is like this, I want, I want to try this. Like, I cannot think of any tech in recent memory where I looked at it and I was like, yes, that, give me that. Like, when I saw Google Glass, I was like, neat. I really want to try that. When I saw the Oculus Rift, I was like, neat. I really want to try that. But seeing this demo and, and hearing this positive feedback, I'm like, give me no. I feel like the Stephen Colbert, like, no, please. I, I love how he was just like, give me an iPad. Give me an iPhone. And he always got and it. It worked. Yep. Because it was free press. Yep. But this this is, I'm. He chopped vegetables on him. But Microsoft, I am. I'm rooting for you. So you you want at least one like underdog supporter. Yeah, I'll probably never like your enterprise shit, but man, yeah. keep up this cool stuff. 
Yeah, keep they're 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 doing a lot of positive things. There were fifteen theirs in that sentence. <laughs> but they're doing a lot of positive things. Like they're open sourcing stuff and they're they're coming out with these interesting products. Like d- d- keep it up. Like This is why I want like even my most favorite companies to get humbled every once in a while to, to lose a round. Yeah. Because then they, they're like, Oh, I guess we do just need to please customers now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard similar sentiment with Apple and their cloud offerings. It's like, yeah, keep shaming them. Like, <laughs> I want them to be ridiculed. I mean, not unfairly, but I think it's mostly it's fair. fair. <laughs> it's absolutely fairly. So, Mike, where can people find these amazing and robust show notes full of uh, interesting yes. videos? For now, you can go to flippingtablespodcast.com slash 051. 51. Yeah. This is this is the big anticipation Man, lead up to it, the year. We're going to hit a year of not of not missing a week. Not a single one. Yeah. It's amazing. It, I mean, it'd be nice if we had some kind of something happening some, to, some way to, to celebrate. celebrate or It's almost like people should absolutely tune in next week. Yeah. It feels that way. I'm yeah. not saying they should, you should. <laughs> You should. But they should. Yeah. And where can people find you? Yeah. Head to twitter.com slash Medwards Music. M Edwards Music. That's Michael Edwards. <laughs> um, or pseudomichael.com. People can find me at Lines and Beta on Twitter or Lines and Beta.com. Uh, and seriously, you got to tune in next week, man. Yeah. Something's coming.